Welcome to the Texas Home Improvement Super Podcast with Jim Dutton. All the best calls this week throughout the state of Texas. Brought to you by America's Choice Windows, where you'll get 10 windows for just $36.80. Jody, this is Jim. How are you today? Hi, Jim. Doing really well. And I just have a question, probably be really simple for you, but I have a plug-in that's kind of been loose in the wall. And today, uh-huh. when... Um, Today when I plugged it in, I saw a spark behind it, so I immediately unplugged the teapot and um, went and found the breaker to throw in the garage and won't use that. But when I threw the breaker, I gave up that whole wall and um, wouldn't be a problem except my refrigerator is on it. Now, if I can get someone to pull that out for me, is it okay to plug it in as long as I use a very heavy-duty cord and then just delay seeking uh, that repair until Monday? Absolutely. Pull, okay. pull out the refrigerator and get to the cord. Uh, the shorter the cord, the better. Oh, okay. And okay. they make regular appliance-type cords that you can use for that. Okay, I may have one of those. I actually think I do. It's real short and real heavy and then just go yep. uh, across the uh, kitchen to the very closest plug-in. Would that work? Now, I, oh, yeah. Yeah, that'll be just fine. And I will tell you, though, what you probably got going is just a loose connection on that outlet. Yeah, so, it's where, like, the wire, like, you can see the wire coming into the wall. And yep. when they screwed it onto that, um, when they put the, install the plug-in, you right. can that's exactly where it's doing that. And yeah. so uh, can I just use something like Handyman, or do I need an authentic electrician on that? Technically, it's supposed to be an electrician when, when they uh, start pulling a plug that way. And okay. realistically, if you can see where that wire is, you're going to see that there's a, a flathead screwdriver, typically a uh, screw right there. Right tighten that up and it's probably going to turn and if it does tighten it up and that'll probably take care of that problem for you oh really yeah well it's actually like i had a previous tea kettle electric and Uh one of the what do you call the little long places where you plug it in on the front side yeah one of the slots there one of the slots has had it looks like it's been too hot and so, uh, wouldn't it? Yeah, be it's safe? time to just replace that outlet then. Okay. Uh, I have porcelain tile in every room of my home. I like to update the family room and my bedroom to tile that looks like wood. A tile contractor told me you can lay tile on top of tile, it would be less cost. Would that be extra weight on my foundation? What do you recommend? Well, forget about the weight. The weight of tile is so incidental, your foundation doesn't even know it's there. Uh, So take that part completely out of the equation. Here's what you have to consider when you go tile on top of tile. Is your original tile adhering to the floor extremely well? In other words, if you've had any tile that's popped up, If you have tile that is sounding hollow, anything like that, 
I do not recommend going over the top of it with anything. Because now instead of having one layer that you got to worry about coming loose, you have two layers of tile. But again, if you've never had any issues with the first layer and everything is holding extremely well, no hollow sounds, none of that kind of stuff, you're fine to go ahead and go over it. Now, there are special things that you have to do in order to go over it. They've, In fact, I've seen the display here at Floor and Decor numerous times. There's multiple ways of doing it. One, they have a, uh, a mortar-based thin set that goes over the existing tile to give you a new surface to put the new tile on. They have some mats that can go down over it. They also have mats that go down over cracks as well. But again, only consider this if the original tile is totally adhered and doing great the way it's supposed to be on staying attached. If there's any loose material, anything questionable about it, don't do it. You'll regret it down the road because you may end up taking up all the tile. Now, the other thing you got to consider, though, if you go on, you know, right now you got one layer of tile throughout. If you make this change and put tile on top of tile, you're also going to have a little step, a little ridge. So I typically recommend take out the old, get down to the concrete, and start this project from the, from the ground up. This came from Virgil, and he says, pros and cons for installing gutters on hardy plank fascia. Okay. Gutters, in my opinion, are something that are just way overused. In fact, somebody got them put into the code to put gutters all the way around houses and stuff. It's just not necessarily needed everywhere. If the water's coming off your roof, running at least five feet away and not, you know, cutting into the soil and all that stuff, it doesn't need a gutter. Gutters are problematic in the fact that they eventually clog up, they got to be redone, they start sagging. But the bigger problem, and it doesn't matter if it's wood or hardy or any other type of siding, you're penetrating the surface in order to attach that gutter. And if you ever looked at the way a gutter is made, the front of the gutter is higher than the back of the gutter. So if it overfills, it flows over the back and then you can start getting water running into the wood. And hardy's not going to rot, but wood, wood will rot. But behind the hardy, you've got the ends of your roof rafters. And if the moisture follows the fastener, whether it's a screw or a nail, back, it can start rotting out the end of your rafters. And that's when your gutters will start sagging and stuff. So... It's not that I don't want you to use gutters, but use them sparingly over the garage doors, over the entryways, you know, things like that, patios, but not the entire structure. Pros and cons of having it on Hardy, Hardy's not going to rot. You don't have to worry about that. Uh, the, the only downside is, again, the gutter's penetrating the surface, so technically it could start peeling paint if you got regular paint on there, or... It can allow the moisture to get back to the ends of the two-by roof rafters. Other than that, there is no cons. Use gutters where you need them, but just don't put them everywhere. Don, how are you today? What can I do for you? Thanks for taking my call. Well, I'm, we, me and my wife have bought a manufactured home that we're redoing, and we're getting to the kitchen to where we're wanting to do something with those countertops. Nothing fancy. I think I just want to replace the linoleum 
And I don't know if that's a do-it-yourselfer project or if there's somebody out there that can help me with that or how do I go about doing that. Well, uh, are you pretty handy? I am pretty handy, and we're both pretty handy. Okay. Uh, dealing with that formica is actually fairly simple. It, the adhesives just roll on with, with a little roller, and uh, you lay the, the sheets down, and you can use like a router or Dremel-type tool that has a cutting edge on it and just run it along the uh, edges, and it's cut to size. I mean, it, it literally is that simple. Okay. How about getting the old product off? It seems to be pretty tough to get off. Yeah, chances of getting that off are pretty slim. But, you know, we've had several calls about can you go over wood floors, can you go over tile? Formica is one of those things you can go over. Again, okay. as long as the old one is, 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 is still adhered good, if all you're doing is, you know, putting a new layer on there, just aesthetics is all, uh, yeah. you can go over it. If, if the old one has loose spots, then you got to peel it up. If okay. you get to where you have to peel it up, you ha basically have to get an edge where you can start getting it lifted up and then use like a putty knife to start sliding up underneath there and literally just slowly be curling it up using the edge of those blades to keep sliding and cutting into the glue. Okay. Okay. Great. I think I might try that. I, I, I will tell you, uh, the first time I did Formica, I thought it was going to be real hard and it surprised me how simple it is if you got any you know on your edges if you got to make a curve or anything have a hair dryer there to heat up the product and it makes it uh much easier to bend okay yeah i think we could do that yeah uh, it, it is it's one of those good do-it-yourself projects well, great well thanks for your help i really appreciate it don you take care and have a great weekend you too as well 1-800-288-9227, and I'll let you in on a secret. I think Formica is still one of those products that is underutilized today. I still have Formica in my kitchen, and, uh, you know, the durability is just almost unmatched by any other material out there because virtually any of the other materials that you use, whether it's a, a, a granite or, or uh, anything else, it can get messed up. Now, it's easy to get it taken care of if it gets messed up. Uh, where Formica, if you you know burn it, for instance, or something, it's done. you got to replace it. Uh, but for the cost of it and durability of it. Gloria, this is Jim. How can I help you? Hi, Jim. I, I was painting the little bathroom in our house, you know, and some drops built on, like, on the sink in the bathtub. And I've been trying to scrape it off with the putty knife, and I made some scrapes on there. And how can I take that off or fix it? The one looks so awful. Well, uh, what it? You said it fell in the bathtub and in the uh, sink. The sink. What material? Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. What what type of material uh, are they? Are they uh, porcelain or are they? Uh, uh, like the man-made marble countertop? No, porcelain. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. And then what about the uh, bathtub? What's it? The Is same. It... It's like the same. Mm -hmm. Okay. 
if it's porcelain, don't use a putty knife on it. Uh, you actually, uh, how, well, let me ask this first. How long ago did you paint? My, it's probably been a year. Okay, so yeah. it's been on there for a while. Mm-hmm. And was it an oil-based or a water-based paint? Oh, um, I think oil-based, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. If it's porcelain that way, you can try this, and you got to be careful with it, but take some uh, lacquer thinner or mineral spirits. Lacquer? Can you lacquer? Uh-huh. Uh, uh, lacquer thinner. It, it's basically paint thinner. Oh, okay. And you can use that and a an abrasive pad. You can actually use, like, one of the uh, sponges, you know, that has the green side on it that you can scrub mm-hmm. pots and pans with. Mm-hmm. Put some of the, the paint thinner on there and scrub on the porcelain. Okay, okay. And the, the the paint thinner will soften up that paint enough where that little scrubbing should take it off. Now, you can't go crazy and, and scrub deep down in it because you can start to scratch the surface. But okay. it, it should handle a scrubber like that with no big problem and, and uh, get those little droplets off for you. Okay, thank you so much. Gloria, good luck with that. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye. You know... That's why you got to use drop cloths when you're painting. Uh, a lot of times you'll see painters who, who think that, oh, uh, I'm, I'm careful enough. You're always going to have some, something drip. It happens inevitably every time. I know because I've been guilty of it myself. Glenn, this is Jim. How can I help you? Hi, Jim. First of all, I, I would like to also say thank you to all the veterans that are listening today. Uh, my dad was a, an Army colonel, and, uh, boy, they, they're sure appreciated. Uh, oh, absolutely. I have, I have uh, an air conditioning system that uh, is older, an HVAC system in an all-electric house. And I've, I've looked at replacing the air conditioner. I've looked at uh, some of the blown-in insulation. Uh, is the blown-in insulation a, a good Band-Aid until I have to uh, replace the HVAC system as far as making it work easier? Well, how much insulation do you have now? Uh, I can I can see the rafters in the attic, so not much. Okay, so you you probably have two by six rafters or two by two, fours. Two by sixes, and I can see the tops. Okay, so yeah, you're you're about ten inches short then. Okay. And so, yes, it definitely will it will definitely help uh, to add insulation or a radiant barrier. Either one would help. How old is your air conditioning system? Uh, it is from 1998. Okay. Well, so that, I've, not... I've got radiant barrier already. Okay. But I'm just lacking on the insulation side. Yeah. Yeah, you can add some insulation. I, I'm going to tell you, if, you're, if your unit's not cooling the home properly right now, uh, insula- this is what you got to look at. Does the, does the AC system cool it? at night it cools it at night but uh, i can set it at oh, 72 during the day in the summertime and i don't get down past about 77 on the thermostat then definitely insulation will help you okay all right very good then well thank you very much so yeah have a good, definitely have a take good a look at that all right, all right. Th- thank Bye-bye. you glenn have a great day uh and and you you always have to look at that if the ac can't handle the 
cooling of the house at night, there's, the insulation's not going to help you uh, make that any better. When we left, I was talking with Steve. And Steve, we were talking about your garbage disposal. It chewed up a, a, a peeling tool, potato peeler. And uh, your, your garbage disposal is jammed now. Have you put anything in there to try to turn it backwards yet? I've got one of those wrenches uh, that goes for the garbage disposal. Uh -huh. I'm not sure which direction that thing is supposed to spin, clockwise or counterclockwise. But I, it's, it's normally uh, it's normally going to spin clockwise. But really, that, with that wrench, tr try to turn it in either it? direction. Well, I've tried both directions. I can move it maybe okay. a quarter of a turn either way, and that's it. I'd better luck with is taking a broom handle, sticking it down into the garbage disposal, and literally turning it that way. Oh, really? Yep. And the yeah, wooden handle I... does, doesn't tear up the uh, parts down in there. Uh, and once you can get it to move a little bit, you'll get whatever's in there unjammed, and then you'll have to just you know, reach in and fish that out. Make well, you know, sure that, the switch that, is that off. Wrench, that wrench goes in from the bottom. Right. It starts through a little slot hole. The, right, but the problem like is those wrenches are so short that you just can't get enough torque power on them, you know? Right, right. So what do I push against with the broom handle? When you reach down in there, you're going to feel that there's all kinds of nubs because the inside a garbage disposal, you got teeth around the perimeter, and then there's uh, typically like three stations that set up that have a, a, a swivel head on them, and you can usually latch on and spin it backwards on that. So when you say backwards, you're saying spin it counterclockwise. Correct. Looking down on it. Yep. Okay, that, uh, I'll try that. Maybe I, I, uh, before I found the wrench, I did try, uh, using a wooden, uh, stick Spoon. in there. Yeah. It didn't do me any. I didn't do, I didn't have any luck with it, but I'll, now I have a better idea. Yeah. I, yeah. I've you got to get a bigger stick. Yeah, I got you. Like getting a bigger, bigger hammer, right? There you go. Chris, this is Jim. How can I help you? Yes, sir. Thank you for taking my call. I have a question about uh, repairing the slab in my backyard. Okay. Uh, it's the back of the house is basically a concrete, uh, I wouldn't know, I call it slab, but it's about 12 inches thick. And what's happened is it's settled over the years. This was my mother's house that I recently moved in. And one half of it has dropped about six inches. Oh, it's moved quite a bit then. Yes. And so what I was hearing on the radio is there is a, they have the ability to go ahead and inject, I guess, plastic or something underneath to lift it back up instead foam of Foam injection, yes. Sir? Yeah, foam injection. Yes. Now, is, that is something this, that's feasible? Is this the... Is this the house, or is it uh, patio, or, or what is it? It's just, um, it's, the, it's in the backyard, it's basically 15 feet from the house long, and uh, it's sunk. So it's not the foundation of the house. Okay. It's actually an add-on of they poured concrete 
40 years ago, and part of it has sunk. Right, so, so it's, like, it's, like a, it's like a patio or something that just butts up right. to the house. Okay. Right. In that situation, the foam works great. And the reason I was asking that question, I do not recommend using foam injection under a foundation. And the reason for it, what causes most foundation problems, when the soils dry out, they shrink. When they get wet, they expand again. And depending on when you put the foam, you're not changing that. You're just basically adjusting it to whatever the soil is at that moment. So again, as the soils dry out, it will sink. As the soils get wet, it will raise up again. But on a structure like you're just talking about, it's moved six inches. Absolutely, foam will do a wonderful job to bring it back up. And then, you know, it's still going to have seasonal movement in it. But typically, you don't notice on a patio or driveway or sidewalk the normal seasonal movement unless it starts getting excessive like this one has. Uh, right. So absolutely, the foam injection can take care of that. So is it something that's long-term, or is it going to have to be done every few years? It's every bit as long-term as taking the concrete out and replacing it. Because even when you take the concrete out and put new concrete, you're still on that active soil that moves up and down. So, yeah, it's every bit as long-term as replacing the concrete. As far as how often would it have to be done depends on the weather cycles and if you keep the soils moist. It's, it's impossible to keep the soils dry. But you can keep the soil moist so it stays expanded and minimize this type of movement. Okay. Well, it hasn't apparently, according to my mother, it's been that way for 20 years. So it's it's oh, yeah. happened 20 years ago, and it hasn't changed. So. Well, it's more than likely, uh, and I don't know if you're aware, but I, I own a foundation repair company. So I see this stuff day in and day out. And people will always say, oh, yeah, it happened all at once, and it never moved again. No, it, it happens over a long period of time. And people who live in the structure... They just don't notice it until one day all of a sudden, you know, this is this has gotten kind of bad. I mean, the worst house out of level I've done is 18 inches out of level. Literally, you would walk from one side of the house and drop down 18 inches. And when I leveled it up, the the homeowner started saying, "I think you got it too high. I I I'm I, I feel like I'm I'm going uphill when it was still down about half an inch. But they were so used to walking downhill." That when it became level, it confused them. <laughs> well, I, I contacted one or two concrete places to actually have it fixed. And one of the solutions was we can add six inches of concrete to this side to level it out, and you won't even notice the difference. Would that be an option, or is this a safer option to go ahead and have it raised? You would notice it. When you put new concrete with old concrete, there is a definite color difference, and they could not taper it out to zero. The, 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 uh, the other side of the concrete, they would have to put at least two inches t in order to make it strong enough to hold. Okay. All right. Well, thank you for your time. I appreciate your advice. Chris, you take care and have a great weekend. And, and, and just for everybody listening, you know, this is something that my company, Due West, can do. Uh, the foam injection, we have the, the, the equipment for that, mud pumping, underpinning, all that kind of stuff. You just have to be particular on what you use these different different techniques for. There's a purpose for all of them. Unfortunately, sometimes people get into these businesses and then they want to use it as a blanket repair for everything. And it's not a blanket repair for everything. We have a window on the east side of our home that is leaking when it rains hard.
During storms, it leaks bad enough from the top of the window to the bottom of the window and down the inside of the wall and under the baseboard. Looking at the window outside, you see rust at the top of the window from the steel lentil above the window. I've had three people look at it, and we can't find how the water is getting in. The original windows leaked, and six or seven years ago, we had them replaced. But this one is still leaking. Home was built in 1999. Don't understand how the water getting into the house. Can you help? Well, there's several things that can be happening. <clears throat> Again, if you if you call in, I, I, I have more information that we can go back and forth and, and detail it out. But a lot of times on these situations, it's a two-story house. The water's coming in on the first floor on the second floor window. It runs down the back side of the brick and hits the brick lentil on the first floor window and then goes in behind it. You know, you got to remember the way a house is put together. You got your two by four frame of the, you know, the stud walls. That is actually the structure of the house. The brick is just a veneer. It's there for looks. Whether you had wood siding or the brick doesn't make any difference. Well, behind the brick, there's normally about an inch, inch and a half of space because moisture goes through the brick. It can run down the backside, and that's what the weep holes are for, the moisture to kind of come out when it runs down the backside of the brick. The brick lentils, that steel plate that you see above the, the window, it normally sticks in past the brick. And so that can allow water then to start running down on the inside that you normally don't have. Most homes don't that are one story don't have a, a, a steel lentil above the window because there is no uh, brick above the window on a one-story home. Usually that's only on two-story homes. Not, not every case, but in most cases. And that's the reason I'm thinking that's probably what's happening here. Now, normally... Uh, when you replace the windows, normally you should have seen this subside because if they sealed around the windows properly, you wouldn't be getting moisture running in. However, if you've got a very porous brick, and I'm talking about like the Mexican bricks, they're very porous. So is mortar. So if you got an excess amount of moisture going in through the brick, it can run down the back, hit that steel lentil, and then... Uh, come in that way that can be solved by simply putting a masonry sealer on the brick it doesn't change the look of the brick or anything but it can seal it up and get rid of the moisture that's going through the brick uh and the mason you know and the uh, mortar rather so uh, hopefully that that would fix it but you know it's 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 one of those things without seeing it it's hard to say that yeah this is definitely going to fix it to a uh, email question from fort worth are solar roof panels a good idea people call about installing them what are the pros and cons solar panels are wonderful they can produce a lot of electricity for you uh you know on the roof is typically where they put them now you may hear me talk about uh Arrington roofing and solar and the reason that they do solar is you know when it's on the roof you got to have somebody who knows 
what they're dealing with on a roof to, to make sure that everything is sealed up properly. Otherwise, you can end up with roof leaks. So that can be a con if you, if you get the wrong company doing it. One of the other things, though, that people have to understand, solar panels, as nice as they are to have and, uh, and, and as good as they are, are not cost-effective without the tax rebates and uh, different programs that are out there to help pay for them. They, they cannot sustain themselves without the government money. So, yeah, that, that can be somewhat of a con, but if you're the one buying it, that's a pro because they're paying for part of it, which makes it cost-effective. The nice thing about solar panels is once you have paid for them, you now are having that electricity generated uh, until the panels die which they, without having to continue to pay. I will tell you, most solar panels have a life expectancy of about 25 years. That's give or take. Some have a little bit less. Some have a little bit more. The average is 25 years. Most of the time, uh, even with the rebates and the tax credits and all the other things, by the time you pay your portion of it, you will have about 12 years into it. So you typically get another 12 years or so of using it without having to pay for it uh, per se that's the reason if you were if you didn't have all the rebates tax credits and all that stuff and you were just shelling it out of pocket it really doesn't make money sense as long as you can get the rebates it does solar technology is steadily improving uh, they do have you you've heard of some of them like tesla has the roof shingle solar panels and different things like that those are not really ready for the mass market yet. We're still using the glass panels uh, up there. Will hail damage them? You bet. You get a big hailstorm, it's going to tear it up just like it would your shingles. It does protect your shingles. Uh, and it is covered typically under your homeowner's insurance as long as you have notified your homeowners that you have solar panels up there. So if you get solar panels, make sure you notify the insurance company. So a lot of times the question is, would I do solar on my house? In a heartbeat. I don't take the time to do it, um, but I think it is something, as long as you can get the rebates and tax credits and everything, that is well worth taking a look at doing. Now talking about doing projects, I had one question came in. I got an estimate. $25,000 from a contractor to repair items on my home, roof, siding, fence, painting, etc. The contractor is asking for a 50% deposit to start the work. Is the deposit low, high, or is it common? Walk away and find another contractor? Question mark. Well, a deposit is always something that, that you're going to have because once a, a contractor uh, obligates themselves to do the job, especially like you're talking about, roof, siding, fence, painting. There's a lot of material that has to be bought. So in order to cover themselves, they normally require a deposit to go buy that material. The risk side of it is if you haven't done your due diligence to know that this guy is truly in business and has an office and everything, you can get burned. And it really does fall on the homeowner. Now, the, the people you hear me talk about, these are companies who I've checked out. I know they're in business. But, you know, if it's just somebody that 
you haven't heard about before, you haven't used, you don't know anybody, it's just somebody you found, check out the office. Make sure they have one. Make sure they're carrying insurance, and you don't want them to give you the certificates of insurance. Have their insurance company forward certificates of insurance to you. All these items help you to learn that this is a legitimate business. And yes, a deposit then is pretty normal because uh, the contractor doesn't want to shell out thousands of dollars for material and then have the contract canceled in the last minute. And that's really what it protects them from. Gary, this is Jim. How can I help you? Thank you. Uh, I want to wrap the uh, all of the hot water pipes in my house from the uh, water heater to the various fixtures. Now, what uh, type of wrap is best and uh, what type of wrap would be good to protect from the termite damage? Well... As far as for the wrap, they, they make a regular pipe wrap. What kind of pipes do you have? Copper or PVC? Copper. Okay. Uh, you know, you can go into any plumbing supply store. And I, and, and I say that because I'm, I'm kind of avoiding you from going into one of the box stores. Go to a plumbing supply store and get the pipe wraps that they use because it's a little denser, a little heavier duty. And you can wrap the pipes with that. It usually gives you like a three-quarters of an inch insulation around the pipe. Is it, is it foam or what? Yes. Yeah, it, it is going to be the foam type stuff. Okay. I have, I have seen in the past a, uh, a, a I think what looked like a fiberglass that had some paper, paper, foil paper wrapping around it. This was years ago. Yeah, that's pretty much been replaced with the foam now. Okay. Uh, you know that was that was that was pre the pre foam stuff. Now, why are you wrapping the hot water pipes and not the cold? Well, would it be good to wrap both of them? Normally, the only reason you wrap the pipes is to keep them from freezing. Well, I, I, just, I just wanted to uh, wrap the wrap the hot hot water just to keep you know keep them from losing heat from the hot water heater to the fixtures. Yeah, I will tell you that wrapping them for that, you'll have more into the pipe wrap than you would ever save in the energy savings. Oh, really? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, the, the, the really the only good reason to wrap the pipes is, is for to, to protect them from freezing. As far as for energy uh, loss, you know, there just isn't that much of it. Okay. Well, would the would the would the foam be uh, uh, protect from the from the termites uh, coming up from the ground? No. No. The 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 termites they're coming for moisture and uh, you know the 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 pipes really don't have moisture unless they sweat a little bit. But yeah, the, the pipe wraps not going to not really going to help you with termite issues at all. Well, I mean, what, what I, I guess what I'm, what I'm asking would the, uh, is, is there certain pipe wraps that would be more uh, conducive to keep the termites from coming through the wrapping? I guess is what I'm, what I'm asking. Uh, no, if you're, if you're looking at sealing up where your penetrations are through the concrete and stuff, uh, you, you would use the spray foam insulations, and they've had some. They have two different ones. You got the red can and you got the blue can. 
The blue can is for around doors and windows. It has flexibility to it. The red can is for wall penetrations where the pipes are, and that will uh, block from bugs coming in through it. So, yeah, that, that would help for those areas. Okay. Okay. Well, that sounds good. Okie doke. Gary, you have a great afternoon. Thank you, Kim. I appreciate it. You bet. You've just heard the best calls and questions from Texas Home Improvement. For more information about our show, go to THIPro.com.